Welcome to Level Up with Sherelle and Danny. We're here to help you take your health, fitness, and mindset to the next level. It's time to level up. Hello and welcome to today's episode of Level Up with Sherelle and Danny. Today we are talking about mini cuts. So why eating less is not always the answer. And yes. before you jump in, happy birthday! <laughs> oh, you had to a week we later though. To. Yeah, was it this week later? Yeah, the big the big two eight today. <sighs> uh, another trip around the sun. More the wiser, not really, but <laughs> it's the way we go, right? And we were talking about as you sort of get older, you just care less about oh. things, isn't it? Or what other people think? I think it's great. I'm embarrassed to say that I used to think 30 was old. Like, I can't wow. believe I, when I was like, you know, fresh out of school, 30 seems like, I don't know, like mature. Maybe we yeah. are mature. But I feel exactly <laughs> the same now as what I did, you know, when I was 20. I just feel yeah. like got more experience. And as you mentioned, you just stop caring so much about what people think and you just do things for you. Yeah. And that's the best bit. I think um, growing up, you try and fit in and find yourself, find who you are. And then as you get older, you, you really establish that. And it's yeah. just fantastic. Mm, yeah. It's the best thing about aging, I guess. And <laughs> a lot of people fear their thirties. Like a lot of people are like, but people tell me it's the best years. Yeah. Well, I'll tell you in August, if I feel any different, don't worry. You can't start. Even my younger brother, he's like, he's 27. He's like, yeah, I'm pushing 30. I'm like, Nick, you can't say that until I turn 30. So yeah. don't ride yourself off. You've still got another two good. That's years what Luke keeps telling me. That's what Honestly, Luke keeps telling me. Yeah. yeah. Don't start talking like that yet. Not <laughs> yet. Many more years, but today we really wanted to have a bit of a chat about mini cuts, which is something that is really popular in the fitness space, um, particularly over the last couple of years. And I guess history always repeats itself, doesn't it? Like 1200 calorie diets and restricted ways of eating was very popular. Probably when we first started in the fitness industry, like when yeah. we first started getting into the gym, that's all I saw um, were those sort of quick fix, extreme aggressive approaches. Mm. And then we went for quite, I don't know, quite a period of time. I want to say in the space that we're in, where it was more about sustainability, balance and intellectual ways of dieting you know being able to find things that you could adhere to and understanding the psychological impact of extreme approaches and then as I mentioned history repeats itself the last couple of years mini cuts and aggressive approaches have really started to bleed back into the industry they have because they're such a great selling point for people I mean they really utilize that number maybe just because they don't know any difference. So they are reverting back to big companies who do use, use those numbers. Um, I remember, you know, logging onto bodybuilding.com or a couple of other companies that I don't need to name here, but I'd print off my A4 paper and it had a challenge on there. And the collective amount of calories was always 1200. And I remember trying it and I'm like, I can't do this. I've, I've had 1200 calories by the time it's lunch. You know what I mean? Like, It was just, yeah, mind blowing. But as a young person myself, I didn't understand what was right, what was wrong. I trusted these companies. And um, yeah, it's very disheartening, to be honest, because you're kind of aiming for a goal that's very unattainable. But Mm. then if you do attain it, you you bounce back very quickly afterwards because it's not sustainable. No, exactly right. And I feel like your experiences really shape your perspective. And obviously both Danny and myself have been down this pathway um, going more extreme. And I've definitely have, have felt what it feels like 
to be in that mentality of feeling like that's the only way and not really understanding because you just follow when you're new to training or when you're first new to coaching you trust the experts or the advice that's Mm. on the internet um you don't actually question it. You don't really get critical. Um, you can't question what you don't have context on. So yeah. as you start learning and you start learning things like, oh, well, just calorie deficit and these other factors and, oh, well, maybe dieting isn't just a physical thing that we're trying to do and what happens when you're shredded and you don't feel any different. You know, mm. we've all been there where you're like, you've got severe body dysmorphia mm. when you're lean and you're like, oh, I'm not lean enough. How many times have we thought that? So when we say um, why eating less isn't always the answer, why mini cuts isn't always the answer, what is the answer? The answer to what is the greater question? Like what's the goal? Is it to feel confident in your skin? Is it to drop some body fat? Like that's really what we want to have a chat about today is like what mini cuts are for, what they're not for, um, and just go through like a bit of, I guess, explaining about the process itself. Yeah, very much so. And, you know, there is a time and a place for an extreme calorie deficit for someone, which we'll touch on. But uh, for most of our listeners here, it's definitely not the way to go. And I feel like a lot of you guys know that, but we still make these episodes based on what's circulating on Instagram and and platforms where people are consuming Mm. it. Uh, So we always feel the need to sort of bring up these important messages and topics um, just as a refresher for you guys. Um, and a little bit more information and context as well. Um, We're all about health here and not only physical health, but as you mentioned before, Sherelle, you know, the mindset around dieting and dieting just isn't getting to a certain look or body fat percentage. It's who you become mentally, the the awesome Mm. challenges that you overcome, the new beautiful habits that you learn along the way. There's so much more in it than just how you look at the end. Yeah, for sure. But when we get into um, like the nuts and bolts of what a mini cut is from our context and understanding of what's circulating the internet at the moment, there's not really like clear definitions, of course, um, Mm. as there's not because what classifies aggressive to one might not be to another. Um, But we sort of come up with the definition of being about a 40 to a 50% deficit. So when we say 1200 calories, for example, a 1200 calorie diet, That's very black and white, uh, a very black and white way of looking at things because 1,200 calories to one person is going to be completely different to another. Um, It's very relative based on, you know, what actually equates to your maintenance calories. Mm. But if you looked at a 50% deficit, let's say I maintain on 2,000 calories, a 50% deficit could be about 1,000 calories for me, um, 40% maybe being more towards that 1,200. So those numbers would like be true to me. But if you're like a 100 kilo male, your maintenance might very well be um, 5,000 calories if you mm. train hard and do all the things and have a laborious job. So 50% mm. might be 2,500 to you. So I really just wanted to give context for that actual percentage range. Um, but aggressive is definitely going to be anywhere from that 40 to 50% in our context. Yeah, it's more about the language in which and, and the nature in which someone diets to call it a mini cut. Like that term still sort of triggers us because immediately we associate it with something that's quick very aggressive as you said often it started on a monday then all of a sudden half your calories are cut out um it's for a certain event where someone feels like they need to look a certain way to be happier at that event it's very like painful mentally and physically so the reason why we don't like the term is just because it's not good for your mental health at all or your Mm. physical health um excuse me so people can get to a 1200 calorie maybe over a long period of time for 
stage or something, but it's the way in which you get to the 1200 calories that separates what a mini cut is versus mm. just someone dieting, needing to get to that result for a short yeah. term. Absolutely. Because I don't want to demonize low calories as a bad thing either. We have because... to do it, man, for calm. I yeah, think I exactly. got maybe to 1400 for a small period yeah, of time. Yeah, for sure. I've yeah. definitely been, yeah, 13, 1200 those last yeah, few yeah. weeks. When you're dieting down, when you're going aggressive, look, that's part of it. And this is why whenever like I prep someone, because I, I prep clients, whenever I prep them, they've got to be in a metabolic mental health, physical health aspect of a, mm. a way like they're healthy before we push them that hard. Yeah. Often people that want mini cuts don't pre-qualify for a mini That's cut problem, or a right? diet in general. <laughs> they go, oh, can I have a mini cut? Yeah. Like it's an entree, you know, like, <laughs> and it's just not the way I like to approach things. Yeah, for sure. If you need a push because it's at the later end of a dieting phase, etc., you're getting on stage, you need to go hard, risk to benefits way up. And that's just what you need to do awesome happy to push people hard in aggressive yep. phases as long as they pre-qualify to be able to do it and it's not like a let's get in and let's you know just get the thing and then get out because often it doesn't end up like that way and from my like opinion as well I don't see many successful mini cuts no not at all. It's just a disaster. Don't do it, guys. But that's why we're here to tell you why not anyway. So, yeah. again, yeah, getting so getting to a, a certain calorie result is one way to measure a mini cup, but then obviously body fat. And a lot of people tie needing to get to 1,200 calories to a desired weight. I want to be X amount of kilos. And normally they just pull that number out of thin air as well, um, which it's not good. Or they might type some numbers into an online thing and it'll pop out, you should be this amount in eight weeks. And it's just not right because we've spoken about it before, but we'll reiterate here again, weight loss is not the same as fat loss. There are so many reasons why numbers on the scales fluctuate. They go up, they go down. And we really want to drill that into people because I still think that too many of us are tied to the number on the scales um, without taking in all these other factors that are, are mm. beautiful factors that must happen, you know, menstrual cycle and, and things like that, which we'll touch on. We can't forget all those other factors, though, when it comes to your weight on the scale. Yeah, absolutely. Really, really good point. A lot of people will set a weight loss goal as well mm. and they might achieve it. And they'll be like, oh, I still don't look the way I want to, you know, and I see that all the time. I'm often surprised about how much weight I lose in a prep um, yeah. to get to stage. Like you sort of underestimate the the amount of weight um, that you might be carrying as well. And you sort of lose it. And this is why it's, you shouldn't be setting like targets based on a weight anyways it should be more of like a look or a feeling which is really hard to measure or do on your own again like yeah. when you're dieting down you you struggle to see your progress um, yeah. when it's so slow but what you were mentioning there like weight loss and, and fat loss being two separate things I think that's really important to consider when you look at a mini cut because if you're trying to achieve something in like four weeks for example how's that going to impact everything else? Like mm. your training performance, which is really important for maintaining muscle mass, um, recovery in terms of like sleep quality, stress, all those sorts of factors as well can have a big impact on the amount of muscle mass that you maintain, yeah. your enjoyment in the gym, and even um, like your compliance and your actual um, weight targets in general, like whether that's going up or maintaining. Yeah, yeah. And I find it so interesting to see how people set a weight goal. So mm. either they were a certain weight in the past and they really liked how they felt, which 
we change our metabolism changes how much muscle we have changes you know our job changes there are too many variables to link a past weight to the weight now like you might get to that weight and be completely different um a lot of people love round numbers oh i want to get under 60 kilos or under 70 kilos or they bring it they want to get to a five like no one ever says yes my goal weight is 77 it's always 75 or under 70 you know what I mean so there's a lot of psychological things as well when it comes to picking numbers but Mm. um I've never to get on stage or for a photo shoot I've never actually had a weight goal Mm. it takes week to week monitoring as you'd know photos, measurements. How do you feel? How's your performance? Do you still have your menstrual cycle? All of these other things you measure along the way. And then you make the changes. You don't say, cool, this week I'm this next week. I have to be that. It's just impossible to do it that way. Yeah. There's a concept as well. I can't remember who coined it, but it's called um, like your body weight set point. And there's also like your body fat set point. So it's supposed to be the the sort of like your maintenance calories where your body weight will roughly naturally go up to and just maintain that. Yep. And this is obviously based on like lifestyle factors, like muscle mass, lots of different variables. But I remember reading about this and thinking, it's really interesting because over the years, obviously the more trained that I've got uh, or the more muscle mass that I've built, my body weight will naturally sit a little bit higher every year and it's off season. Um, mm. And I, when I look at my, like I'm the heaviest I've ever been, but I look in the mirror and I'm like, oh, like I'm, I'm really happy with like, you know, the amount of muscle I've built, the shape yeah. I'm holding, my body fat percentage I'm maintaining at. Um, but if I just look down at the scales and I'm like, whoo, like I've been 15 kilos lighter than what I am now, yeah, right? That's a, that's a lot. Like, yeah, it freaks you out because you see it. But when we can understand this concept of a concept of like your, your set point, because it got into my head, I was like, should I be maintaining at this weight? Cause I always have, mm. you know, but it's not necessarily the case because you've got to, you know, tune back in and be like, well, if I'm building muscle mass every year, even if it's half a kilo, right? Like that, that's going to add up over four or five years of training. You're going to naturally sit at a higher um, body weight set point. And I've just naturally watched that slowly creep up over yeah. the last four, four years or three years of proper training, most definitely. And mm. I remember it was a bit of a shock to me because the first, oh, I want to say maybe like three years ago, post comp after our last show, I put on a lot of muscle in that next 12 months. I don't know what was your first off season, like proper off yeah, season, that's wasn't probably it? it? When was. you monitored. Yeah, 100%. Yeah. But I also notice like with myself, whenever I go through an extreme period of restriction, like a prep, when I come out of it, I'm anabolic if I freaking use that next six months to monitor calories, fuel performance, optimize training, all yeah. the things, not blow out or let myself go, but I just still continue to do the things. If you do it right, like I just had so much growth and I don't know if there's anything because when you go through a heavy restricted phase and then when oh, you go your back, body your wants body just it. loves it. Yeah. But I remember like that first, like, I don't know what it was, maybe eight to 10, eight to 12 months. I put Mm. on like 10 kilos nearly. And I was Mm. like, but then I'll, again, looking in the mirror, I'm like, okay, you know, a lot of science says that I can't put on that much muscle. Of course, there's body fat here, but I see shapes and it it can really screw with your head, right? So it's important to be able to collect all the data, Mm. look in the mirror and then be able to detach yourself from weight as being 
a goal or an objective strict monitoring phase. Yeah, yeah. And what you mentioned, you know, over the period of three, four years, and you you mentioned long timeframes, very long. And that's, again, we, we've only ever really dealt in long timeframes. So if an athlete knows that they need to get to stage weight, um, then you give yourself 16, 20 weeks, you know, six months to get there. At because least, as yeah. you said, afterwards, your body is hungry to put on size to get those beautiful calories in. Mm. But then if you do it in such a short, extreme period, like four to eight weeks, then you won't mm. put like as much muscle back on on the other side. Or yeah. you've spent three to four years growing the muscle and then you you lose it in such mm. a short period of time. There's nothing bloody worse than that. You know, we work so hard in the gym to, to you know, get closer to our goals, whether it be put on muscle, whether it to be to perform a certain way, whatever it is. Mm. Don't lose it all in a mini cut. It yeah. disappears. Your body yeah. breaks down muscle tissue. Mm. Anything that's lost quickly is gained quickly too, in my experience. Um, if you lose a couple of kilos in a couple of weeks, you can probably put it on in a week. Like, yeah, but I don't think if you lose that muscle mass in a mini cut, oh, I'm, yeah, talking, no, no. I'm, I'm bringing it back to mini. We're, we're deviating from like what we do from a long yeah, time sorry. frame. No, that's fine. That's why we're here. Um, we're in the yin and yang colors today, aren't we? I just realized <laughs> we really are. we're Black balancing each other out. Um, but yeah, if you lose your muscle mass, you're not going to put it on in another four weeks after, you know what I mean? No. Like it's going to freaking take months again. So yeah, be wary exactly. of that as well. Yeah. I also want to, uh, I guess mention like I mostly work with trained like individuals in terms of like, um, women that are wanting to build muscle. You know, I don't work with gen pop per se, and I'm not sure whether context would be different if someone Absolutely. was, you know, more in that overweight, obese, and it was, you know, it was a model of like, we need to lose body weight as yeah. a health thing. Like if they were using BMI and all those sorts of factors, we don't necessarily work with a, a population or a target group like that. A lot of people listening to this probably don't fall into that category or probably don't work or that you may work with that target population. But I'm just saying it's definitely important to um, consider like women uh, and lean women by society standards of, of lean um, would potentially respond differently to extreme approaches because everything that's done in the research is either done on men or overweight and obese uh, individuals. They're not yeah. done on athletes um, or anyone that's quote unquote in a normal uh, body fat percentage that I'm aware of. I'm not sure if there's any other research that's come out, but anything I've read um, or alluded to, it's usually looking at the wrong population sample to be able to actually yep. draw any conclusions. Really good point to bring up who we're kind of talking to, which I think everyone in a way, but we'll word it differently depending on the scenario. So yeah, a lot of athletes, I feel like people who have been on stage or have been training for a long time and it's a part of their lifestyle, don't want a quick fix because everyone's going to train forever. But the people who do want the quick fixes are unfortunately not really educated on how to do it properly. You know, they still watch their daytime TV where they are advertised with fasting shakes and cutting out meals and all these slim products. Um, and then the ones who probably go down to the office and someone's trying a new diet where they cut out carbs for a week and, mm. you know, they go, yep, I'm going to do that too. So it's a very different population on who is drawn yeah. to mini cuts they don't I think mini cuts has been brought on social media through some people like the term of it but mm. 
the people that are doing the extreme dieting, you know, without actually realizing the damage they're doing are probably more the gen pop people who aren't actually in this space, but Mm. they're the ones that need our help the most too. A lot of the trainers that we'll be talking to on this podcast will most certainly be dealing with those people or have a conversation with a family member at Christmas. You know, they're like, wow, you look so good. You've been, yeah, going to the gym. I'm trying this new diet that's, I'm cutting out this for X amount of time. And it's hard to hear that from people. I find that like you get the family members or the friends who want to try and like talk to you about fitness Mm. to relate to you. But then what they're doing is just so harmful. And it's just like, oh, no, stop. Mm. Mini cuts are probably not appropriate for 90% of the population. I'm going to say most people don't just need a slash calories. That's the problem. That's what, that's what the issue is because it's not actually sustainable. They don't have anyone taking them through a controlled process to, to show what it look, would look like. Yeah. Um, there's a researcher and a, um, like a host, I think he's in the UK called Michael Mosley. I think I might've spoken okay. about him a couple of times. I love his work, but he wrote the book, the 800 calorie diet. Um, oh. And and he popularizes a lot of intermittent fasting. And I'm like, hey, Michael, what are you doing? Mickey, Mickey M, what are you doing, mate? Um, But it's attractive to people. Like the 800-calorie diet, it's like, cool, just eat 800 calories a couple of days a week and that's it. But as I mentioned, 90% of the population need to understand just energy balance. Um, They need to understand like macronutrient targets. They need to learn how to hit a protein target they need to include a balance of whole food and soul food they need to understand these low hanging fruits before they just slash and remove things because like just saying calorie deficit and eat less is a lazy coaching approach and you see it all the time it's like calorie (laughs) deficit guys like i seriously think it's 2022 and everyone knows that a calorie deficit is required for fat loss yeah it works it works you will lose weight if you are in a calorie deficit but that's not enough we have the mental health we have people rebounding after we have people thinking food's bad we have people cutting food groups out and giving themselves gut issues we have all of these other things that can come with um an unmonitored calorie deficit so that is not good enough it is not good enough take your whole health into account from all elements and again that's why we're here right yeah, always bring it back to why we're here. Yeah, well, no one, and I think the point that we're really strong about, Danny, is like no one talks about the diet after the diet. Mm. So it's it's not the mini cut that's the problem, to be honest. It's what happens afterwards. Yeah. It's what happens when you go back to normal or back to the behaviours that are ingrained in you and you haven't actually worked on those. Something that um, Lane Norton says um, in one of his books that I was reading is like, YOLO, you're only lean once. And he talks about um, people that go through aggressive approaches and then they go through a massive rebound afterwards. And then it becomes incredibly hard to shift that body fat again um, once you go through it. And we see that all the time in the um, competitor space where people get really lean and then they're YOLO. They're only lean once. They can't get back to it. So I just think it's really, if we can like minimize that all in or all out mentality that things like mini cuts reinforce that's Mm. my hope as a coach Mm. you know like I'm happy to push people hard when they go into aggressive approaches but I also know it's one definitely not where they should be starting yeah Uh, two learning how to sustain a calorie deficit is more about habits and behavioral change yeah what it is about the numbers itself yes And three, if we can push body composition changes through training, performance, and what you do in the gym and in your lifestyle, it's going to be 10 times more sustainable. 
Oh, for sure. Because the more you're moving, the more muscle mass you put on, you'll be burning more calories anyway. And yeah, there's so much in that. Mm. I really love those points as well. And it is so important um, to recognize that you need to earn the right really to be in a calorie deficit. Yep. And a lot of them are mindset checkpoints. All right. Yep. Am I, what reasons am I doing this for? You know, again, a lot of people have an event in six to eight weeks or, you know, summer's coming. Okay. I want to cut. And for the 10% of the population that you mentioned, you said, you know, it's not good for 90, but for the 10% that it would be severely obese people. And they probably are just so stuck in their poor habits that they're like, fuck it. I just need a clean slate. I'm going to, you know, just make these changes. And hopefully Mm. it kickstarts a cascade of good behavior with the right mentoring and coaching or seeing a dietitian, someone who's, you know, qualified Sometimes they just need a kickstart or people like they quit smoking and it's just cold turkey. They can't. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So for that extreme, sometimes it works. Okay. But again, case by case, and you need that mental support, like people getting um, gastric bypass surgery, it must be accompanied with education. Mm -hmm. And it's just, people just forget about that big factor in there because it is so hard to change your habits it is so 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 hard so if you make a physical change to yourself where you can't actually um like ingest as much food you you still find a way to to live your life that you were living before but with the right coaching and education you can make the right changes so we just can't forget that side of it yeah, really good point. I used to work um, on a surgical ward, uh, like a, a gastro-surgical ward. Our specialty was weight loss surgeries. So there we used go. to do um, gastric sleeves, bands, like everything. Um, and it was very eye-opening for me mm. to see about, I guess, how a lot of this problem is managed mm. poorly. Mm. Um, and then the reoccurrence and the follow-up from these people as well was really interesting. But something you mentioned there is, before you have like a, a, a surgery like a gastric bi- um, bypass or a sleeve done, you have to qualify to be able to have an anesthetic or actually have the surgery. So they would mm. make someone lose 20 kilos before their surgery as fast as possible, yeah. um, whether it's shakes, etc., yeah. whatever they need to do to slash the body weight because the risk of being that heavy or having that much weight, one, it's too risky to have surgery and have an anesthetic, um, but two, the health consequences outweigh the ones where if you just slashed calories, okay. right? And there you completely go. different population, completely yeah. different situation. Um, but I was always surprised because the lack of education and follow-up from these people was mm. I was like and I was into fitness at that time and I'm like mm. can't we see that this is not fixing the problem mm. even though they would have a nutritionist involved it wouldn't be follow-up yeah. you know it would just be like how can we make sure that you can have the surgery pretty yeah. much Jeez. really interesting though but I also want to say something that I don't mind the concept of mini cuts for um probably not this extreme and probably a bit of a different I go perspective is if someone's on like a long building phase, like, and they've been like, you know, a relatively athletic female, they've been pushing calories, they've been in a bit of a surplus or high maintenance calories, and they've been training hard building muscle for a long period of time. The primary goal being build muscle, um, want to continue to build muscle, but is starting to feel quote unquote a little bit fluffy um, and just wants to drop a little bit of body fat and then continue on with the process for the long-term goal of building muscle. 
I will usually meet them halfway and be like, cool, do you want to do a more of a short dieting phase? Yeah. To get you back to feel more comfortable um, yeah. and then continue on, jump straight back up to maintenance or the surplus that you were in and continue yeah. on because motivation is really important when it comes to fat loss or building or anything in the gym. We need to stay motivated. The reason why mini cuts are motivating for people is because they can see the weight going down. They can see the results pretty quickly, but the goal is not to be sustainable when you're doing something like that. And I probably wouldn't take it as aggressive yes. as that. And like I said, they earn that right. They've been, their body's in an abundance of calories. Their training mm. performance is usually high. They're making great progress. And I don't want to stretch them out in a 12 to 20 week dieting phase and lose time that they yeah. can be spent building. So that's when I was given that little bit of like a 10%. It really depends. Yeah. But the the people that are asking for mini cuts don't usually fall into that category. Uh, no. No. And in that instance, it's more just a variable for an athlete's mentality of training. You know, they're going to spend a short time in, I wouldn't say 40 to 50% deficit, maybe 25 to 30. Um, and they're doing it in a nice way. It's also really important, the foods that you include. So people are thinking, okay, I've got 1200 calories and then they're missing their micronutrients. or they might yeah. just have one big meal. I remember we were researching some for our um, show notes and then there was some crazy ass diet that came up where um, you just don't eat much. I think it was, yeah, one meal every day or something. Oh, what was it called? One meal a day, Omar. OMAD. OMAD. Only one meal a day. And, and the photo for OMAD was a burger. And it's like, how is that any good? So obviously people think, okay, I can eat one meal a day. I'm going to make it something that I love, burger, pizza and all that. I'm like, there is so much wrong about that. You know, it's it's just It's the mindset around it all that gets me because most of the time, like you said, people, when you're like on such low calories, you're usually very food focused. So you want those highly palatable foods like the burgers and the chips and the chocolate. But then if we only consume them, you know, you're not going to miss out on a lot of micronutrients, particularly when you're only getting a certain amount of calories in, you know, it's not, it's not as important. Like the lower your calories are, the more important food quality is because you've only got a smaller window to be able to get your micros in. If you're in a surplus, I'm usually saying to people, don't even worry about your micros. You're eating that many calories. You're probably going to hit most of it if you're including a lot of whole food. But when you're only eating a small amount, you know, the fats you choose, um, the flavors you eat, the carbohydrate sources, the protein quality, all those things start to become more important to make sure that you're actually getting the micros and optimizing your health and digestion as a whole as well. So always mm. something to consider with that. Yeah. And you can actually eat more food if it is whole food as yeah. well. So you don't always yeah. have to cut as low when you're dieting no. and our body, when we're in is like, crazy calorie deficit and not eating as much fats or you know saturated fats and burgers for example I'll just go back on that your body loses the ability to digest it as well we've all had that feeling where you kind of eat something that you haven't eaten in a while and then you're like oh my stomach because we actually don't produce as many enzymes or our gastric juices change a little bit in our stomach based Mm. on what we have been eating in the past then all of a sudden if we throw in a really high fat dense meal yeah 
it's like a shock to the system and we can't actually digest it. So that's why a lot of people feel uncomfortable. So again, it's just demonstrating our body adapts to what it's used to doing. And there's no point having an extreme. I'm not saying you're not allowed to go out to dinner and all of that, but for some people who are like, oh my God, I just get so bloated. I haven't eaten this fruit in a while. I feel gross. That is why your body has adapted to eating whole foods and lower um, calorie foods and less dense food. So Mm. then to throw that in the mix, it's a bit of a shock to the system. Um, So we kind of have to train our our gut health again to be used to bringing certain foods in. That's Mm. why cutting out food groups, unless you're allergic to it or genuinely hate the taste, I'm all about cutting out coriander, guys. It's so fun. <laughs> no. Yeah, oh, you're a coriander. How did I know you were going to love coriander? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Honestly, you know, um, we should not be cutting out those food groups yeah. at all. Yeah, really good point. The same with like what you mentioned with the fats, for example, like your gallbladder gets used to secreting a certain amount of bile. So that's why you can feel really ill. Whereas like, I remember like if I have like half a block of chocolate, for example, I will be like, oh my God, I feel so sick. Mm. Luke can polish off the whole block. Can he? To be able to do it. Whereas I'm like, I used to be able to, but when you take it away, yeah, like you said, your body adapts. The same yeah. with um the the lactase um, enzyme that you make to break down lactose. If you stop eating lactose, you stop producing that enzyme. So it's no surprise that when you reintroduce um, a milk or a dairy product, you you feel bloated and you feel sick because you don't have the enzymes there to be able to do it so 100 i mean like how sensitive is your guts and your digestion yeah. post-com like it's oh, crazy yeah. you got to be so careful like mm. so careful but all we do is we throw everything back in and yeah. people wonder why they gain five kilos in the first week like there's yeah. so much inflammation and there's so much fluid retention that's going on and the food volume as well mm. like it just makes you feel gross but mm-hmm. Somehow we've ended up over here. (laughs) We love a good tangent, don't we? I did notice that after lockdown because we weren't obviously going out to dinner because everything was closed. And then now that we're, or not so much now, but at the start when we started going out to dinner, Mm. Paul and I would sort of look at ourselves. I'm like, I feel really fucking sick. He's like, oh my God, me too. And we couldn't work out why. And that's the exact reason why we're eating foods that we're not used to. Yeah. Um, But anyway, enough of that tangent. So Let's get into what happens physiologically when someone does start a mini cut. I mean, Mm. the body does everything to try and hold on to our calories, Mm. right? So down regulation of NEAT, which we've spoken about before. We've had Holly Baxter talking about it, metabolic adaptation, uh, Luke Tullick. I love name dropping our guests because we've had some sick guests on there. Um, So they really um, elaborated all of that, but sometimes you're better off paying attention to those signs rather than just continuing to cut calories. If your body feels like it's starving to death, for example, we're not going to be as animated. You know, you and I talk with our hands and I was just doing that right now. If I was really um, in a calorie deficit, I'd be less animated. We blink slower. We breathe slower. We might lean on a chair. Um, All of these things happen to us that people don't really know about. Yeah, I really want to reinforce as well, like starvation mode does not exist, people. Starvation (laughs) mode does not exist. That is the heading, starvation mode does not exist, but something called metabolic adaptation can, which is what you're referring to um, there, Danny. In the first few weeks, I would say, like of your mini cut, everyone's going to be so different as well, like how your body responds. Um, Some people don't get much down regulation. Some people get a lot. So it's very individualized. I would imagine like the first few weeks of just slashing your calories. Yeah, it's going to work right you're gonna drop it's gonna work of course Mm. like if you cut calories aggressively 
and you don't lose weight, something, something like you're not in deficit to begin yeah, with, not. something else is going on. But you're going to see results like if you slash calories and you can adhere to a calorie deficit. What can happen over time is that metabolic adaptation where your NEAT levels, um, not your step target, guys, not your step target, not the one that we consciously do, the ones that you can't do. Me right now, moving my hands, blinking. Mm. I'm definitely so much more animated. I think my, oh, my yeah. voice of my um, the speed of my voice even probably doubles um, when I'm <laughs> eating at maintenance. But those sorts of processes uh, can actually start to downregulate. And I was reading something that was even mentioning the size of your organs can atrophy in a dieting phase. How great, like your liver, um, all those sorts of things can actually atrophy uh, as a way of metabolic adaptation so that your body doesn't need as much energy to be able to function and stay alive. I see this physiologically with my own data, my heart rate drops when yeah. I'm in a, um, a dieting phase for a long period of time. Mm. I'm sure losing body size helps with that too. Yeah. Um, but all those processes start going down and my aura ring tells me I'm super fit, but I'm <laughs> like, nah, I think I think <laughs> I think I'm dying. No, I'm not dying. Oh, um, shit, that's but you start to downregulate in in ways that are uncontrollable. And look, that's just the reality of things too. This can actually happen in normal dieting, not just mini cards. Yeah. Just something to consider um, about how extreme you need to go at the start. Like you ideally want to try and diet on the most amount of calories possible whilst mm. achieving the results that are sustainable and realistic for your end goal. Yeah, exactly right. Put that on a on a VB mug, yeah. <laughs> a VB Salad. mug, a stubby holder. Last yeah. time, what did I say? I said I wanted it on a t-shirt, and you're like, no, I want it on a stubby holder. Yeah. Not, so I just butchered it on a VB. For me, kombucha. <laughs> Put it on a kombucha. Oh, you having a kombucha? Fantastic. Yeah. Good on you. Um, not to mention, yeah, menstrual cycle, which we're just so passionate about, and that's actually one yeah. of the reasons, one of the many reasons why I'm just not going to compete again. Um, because I've spent so damn long trying to get my cycle regular again. And it is, and I love it every month. I'm like, thank you for arriving. And I just don't want to see her go again. I'm, yep. I'm very like happy and, and so proud of that. Um, but when it comes to weight on the scale as well, like when I'm ovulating, I put on maybe a kilo. When I'm menstruating, I put on one and a half kilos as well. And people just forget about that. Mm. They're like, oh my God, I've put on so much weight this week. Well, yeah, you're ovulating or you have your period. Yep. Do you find differences in your weight? Yeah. What do you? What happens to you? Yeah, for sure. Like probably half a kilo around ovulation. I definitely yep. feel more fluidy. And then, yeah, probably at least a kilo um, pre-menstrual can mm, fluctuate mm. depending on what I'm doing nutrition-wise as well. Um, yes, but yeah, really good point. And I think when we had Stacey on the podcast last time, she mentioned something I'd never heard of. And that was the, the impact of low calories on an enzyme or I don't know if it's an enzyme or a hormone called kiss peptin. Oh, that's um, right. Remember talking about that because often we think that um, amenorrhea or losing your cycle is a body fat thing. Uh, body fat percentage and whilst that contributes because body fat is actually uh, or a fat cell is an endocrine gland because it produces hormones um, that allow us to ovulate and therefore have a menstrual cycle um, it's actually also influenced by this kiss peptin um, concept that she was talking about that inhibits or um, prevents us from producing those hormones as well so this is mm. why this is why you don't have to be a lean female to not have a menstrual cycle um, and you see this in athletes where 
unconsciously they're under fueling for the amount of energy they're expending throughout the day whether they're endurance athletes which is who Stacey mostly works with um, in the triathlon sort of space Mm. so it's really important to understand that calorie deficit is different for everyone like if you're a crossfit athlete for example and you're training twice a day or something ridiculous or 10 times a week uh, and you're eating you know 1800 calories it's, it's probably not enough, you know, and exactly. that, that could be a 40% deficit for you. And it could yeah. impact this kiss peptin enzyme that she was talking about and therefore disrupt menstrual health. But I also want to say that everyone's so different. Like I, I've been able to push pretty hard and I maintained regular with my cycle. Mm-hmm. Um, some people it's a sniff of a calorie deficit and it's too much for their body. So it's really individualized. And that's just, that's just luck of the draw as well. Like, yeah. We, I get impacted in other ways, you know? So it's just about realizing it's not better nor worse. It just is, and it needs yep. to be your consideration. So thanks for sharing that because I think it's so important to be like, health is everything. Like it if really you, is. If you, lose, if you lose a concept of health through dieting that you can't get back, right, that has like long-term effects that you don't know of and the uncertainty with that, you need to consider that, right? You oh, yeah. What, what are your priorities? And thanks for bringing that up. And sometimes I naturally go down the path of linking a calorie deficit with not having a period, but then it's not really the calorie deficit. It's the level of stress on your body. But you have to put more stress on your body to be in yep. a calorie deficit. You know, earlier mornings, getting up, going for walks. More, mm-hmm. I was way more caffeinated, you know, trying to get a result quickly is just not good because you're going to put your body under so 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 much stress that again it might take away from your period your organs from what you said um, your sleep Mm -hmm. levels can be affected all of these things and we don't realize it's happening just like um, with the subconscious um, metabolic adaptation we don't really know that we're slowing down and and doing those things so people think the answer is to continue to move more and eat less which is not sometimes actually eating more will help you lose more weight, okay? Mm. Because again, you're more animated again, you're indirectly moving without realizing. Um, and then sometimes it's you're better off actually having a sleep than going for a walk early in the morning because your body 100%. actually needs that sleep. So yeah, we can't just focus mm. on the answer being eating less and moving more. There's just so much more in it. Yep. I remember a while ago, I put my finger in controversial pie when I was riding to sleep. A while ago. I feel like every day you do it, baby. Looks like we need to minimize these amount of controversial (laughs) conversations you're having. But I did make a a post about ages ago when I was right into sleep and reading up about everything. And it was about the impact of being in a dieting phase, an aggressive dieting phase with one person who was sleep deprived and one person who was like sleeping well and optimizing their sleep. And they actually Mm. showed, which was scary because I was shift worker at the time and I was just trying to find things to be like, I can make it to stage and kill my, you know, and do it. One loop, night duty and peak quake, let's go. Um, But some of the data showed that 50% of the weight uh, that the sleep deprived group lost was muscle mass in comparison to wow. the other group where it was like 10% or 5%. So wow. you're losing double the amount of muscle mass um, by Ugh. not optimizing sleep. So then I, I, I think I did, I can't remember. What you would have had a heart attack when you, um, well, you know, I was that. sort of going against like, yeah, calorie deficit is calorie deficit, but not all weight loss is equal. And that's the point yep. that I was making. Like, well, this is why weight loss shouldn't be the the sort of um, the focus because I made yeah. the argument like, well, which is better, fasted cardio and cutting your sleep by a couple of hours or having the extra couple of hours of sleep and yep. allowing your body to 
burn body fat over mm. precious muscle mass. Mm. Um, and that was interesting for me because I think it just goes to show like just because you're not dropping so much on the scale, like don't underestimate where that weight's coming from versus other people that might be going to more extreme, unrealistic, like fighting sort of aggressive approaches. You just, you can't, you need to look at the outside and be like, what's the end goal here? Am I moving towards it? Yep. Yep. And I've definitely been in both scenarios as we all have um, pushing, really being in that fight or flight to get to the end part of stage. You're losing size, but you're losing muscle as well. That's why it's important in your building season to build as much because naturally as you get closer to stage, you will lose a little bit of muscle. Um, But then recently when I spent, you know, I was in isolation and was sleeping like a lot every day, I I actually dropped weight and like Mm. felt so good and, and not that I'm about getting compliments from other people and I don't need that validation, but we all love to be told, oh, hey, you're looking great. I, would, I went back to the gym like two weeks after bloody not training hardly. And mm. I was like, what have you been doing? You look great. And in my head, I'm like, I've been sitting on my ass. I couldn't even leave the house. Like dropped a lot my of body needed it. The inflammation yep. just disappeared. I was so well rested. Yeah. Like, yeah, it was nuts. Yeah, well, in the short I think term, I- that works. Don't all become very lazy. Yeah, and yeah, Netflix yeah. in bed. Like, I mean, yep. I'm back in the gym now, but I needed it at that point in time, and that was life's way of saying, Danny, just slow the hell down for this one week and just regenerate your energy. Yeah, when you don't slow down, the world or the universe will make you. Um, oh, I often yeah. find that, mm. but I also noticed like during the last prep that didn't happen, um, when I was getting to the crunch time, like I was waking up at four or five a.m. like wired. I remember saying to you, "I just can't yeah. sleep past four thirty a.m. I wake up and I'm ready to run a marathon." That's how I yeah. feel. I'm like, yeah. I can't sleep in. That was the last thing on my mind. Mm. Show got cancelled. Ink calories went up. Sleep to seven. Yeah. You know, and it just goes to show that stress and cortisol has massive impacts on sleep um, because your body's like, Sherelle, you're hungry. There's like body fat's low. Like get yeah. out, go for a run, go find some food. Yeah. It's pushing the other things to the wayside. So this is why it's important to understand whether it's a mini cut, a long-term diet, a comp prep, I don't care. Stress is stress. Mm-hmm. Um, and you need to take that into account with an intellectual dieting approach. And don't get me wrong. Some people do it with mini cuts. They go, cool, I'm going to have a mini cut here and drop a couple of kilos, continue on with my main goal. They do it in an intellectual um, design, like designed way. They structure it. But often I feel like the message is doing more harm than good because most people, yes. one, don't have the guidance to do that. Um probably the knowledge or the experience to be able to actually line up a good diet. And they're thinking emotionally. They're like, I just want to look better. So they just want to cut calories and get the answer. So this is more of a conversation about, like we said, the diet after the diet and what happens to the person. But then also what's the message that I want to spread, that you want to spread, that we want to spread as a collective to be able to say, look, let's not go to back to extremes. Mm. You know, can we leave that in bloody 2009? Please continue on with like practices that are sustainable for the rest of your life. So you can actually not one, just physically get there, but mentally enjoy the process too. Yes. I love that. Mentally enjoy the process because if we're handed something super easy and super quick, whether it be results, you know, in the gym or an object or money, you don't value that thing. And it's just a never ending battle of looking for more in your life. And that is very unfulfilling because if you're always looking forward, you're, you're never going to feel enough. You're never going to feel fulfilled. You're going to miss things in your mm-hmm. life. You're going to, you're going to miss those important conversations with your loved ones and you're going to miss 
giving yourself a reward for something awesome that you achieved, like you can always look forward, but we have to stop every now and then because it's just, it's very unfulfilling. And we're talking from experience and what's your saying, chasing the artificial horizon or chasing the, yeah. Did I nail it? Something like that. Yeah. Like no, you keep chasing so, an artificial horizon, you'll never yeah. catch it. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Right. So we're all about being in this for the long game and, you know, really allowing people just to be kind to themselves. And mm. that comes back to why we do what we do, you know, to not only help people get the answers that they're scrambling on the internet for and feeling silly for not knowing, like, but yeah. we're just here to let you know that you're doing a bloody good job. Like yeah. we need to just Thanks, be nicer to ourselves. Yeah, Shira, you're doing a bloody good <laughs> job birthday girl I, I have to be nice to you now because it's exactly. your birthday it's but day. No. every day you know is my day I mean? every day that's right every day is our day guys yeah but really well said and I also <laughs> want to say you know on the internet this week I've had a few run-ins with a few different people and I also oh, want to say this is our right. lens too right so like there's going to be people that they um they they really back mini mini cuts and they think it's a great approach. And there's a lot of people that I respect that, that, you know, follow mini cuts and and implement that with clients too. And there's nothing wrong with that. If that's their approach. Like I also want to say that because I think it's, if you research hard enough, you'll find arguments for and against everything you want. Just type it into Google. Like you're going to, and then it's context dependent. Like what we spoke about for who and what for we're speaking to you guys. Um, we're speaking to our own clients and we're speaking to ourselves <laughs> yeah. a lot of the time, a lot of the advice that we put out that, yeah, <laughs> mini cuts usually aren't the answer to getting the physique um, or the enjoyment or the process or the feeling uh, that you're actually after. Yeah. So we're here for a good time and a long time. Oh, yes. Oh, yeah, baby. But <laughs> who knows? Maybe in the future we'll change our mind too. I'm oh, God, surely not. You've just thrown all our credibility down the drain of this episode. No, come back. We'll cut that out. We'll cut that <laughs> no, out. I'm no. kidding, mate. Oh, is that it? Yeah, I think that's it. We we hope to enjoy this little bit of an informal conversation on mini carts and I guess just our perspective and our lens on the way in which we would run a dieting phase. And that might be um, for another conversation as well, Danny, of what that would actually look like. Cause we obviously didn't go into the, the explanation of maybe what the right answer is. We did talk about sustainability and balance, which is obviously what we're mm. about here uh, and what we both preach as coaches in the industry as well. So if you did enjoy this episode, as always, please do take a screenshot uh, and tag level up podcast on Instagram. Thanks everyone.